Welcome to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and this is a podcast where we talk about marketing. Today's first question, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thanks, Jordan, for having me. Um, I'm Bridget. I um, What do I do? What do I do for work? <laughs> Let's start there. Um, I am the director of content and brand at a company called Postal. Um, outside of work, I have a dog. I like to cook. I um, live in Chicago, so we're just coming out of the winter, which is great. And we can go outside again. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and I have a podcast on the side um, that I do a little bit about work and marketing for SaaS marketers um, in the space. Yeah, I mean, I just started this job five months ago, so still relatively new. Um, I think you hit that six-month mark and you're like, okay, I understand now. Um, so still getting into it there, but really enjoying the team over there at Postal. Awesome. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I never know where people will go when I ask them who they are, since it is, if you think about it, such a deep question. Um, like, what do you do? It's like, well, where do I start? Um, and, and just your point about Chicago coming out, I'm from Wisconsin, Green Bay. So we're also okay. kind of on that forever winter grind um, till like June is finally. I was going to say started. even more so than we are here. My parents <laughs> right? are are in Wisconsin too. And I'm like, I'm going to come see you in when the lake is open. <laughs> <laughs> right? For real. So maybe July, but no. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Is there, is there anything right now currently, or even maybe recently that you just been obsessed with in marketing, in content, in any of this realm we call business? Yeah, I think, um, moving toward more creativity. That's kind of why I find myself in, in brand and content. I tried demand gen marketing for a little bit. Um, that's just not the way that my brain works. I understand that we like have to tie things back to revenue. And I totally, I, I tried to do that though with, the, with creative and with content and how do we, um, you know, think bigger about brand strategy and like, how do we think about direct traffic for brand and like those kinds of things um, is really where I find myself like not only good at, but like, that's what makes my brain go. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I've been really fortunate to, to be able to kind of find that niche and that now is becoming bigger in within SAS. Um, I'm in the MarTech space, so it's a little, um, uh, closed. Like we all, everybody, like it's a very small circle and everybody knows each other. And especially in MarTech, like we're selling, I'm, I'm selling to other marketers, which I really love because it's like, I have those pain points and I understand your problems and you can come up with new use cases and even like push the product further. Like I'm the subject matter expert at, you know, within our the marketing team is like our ICP and, and it's great to be able to have that knowledge and um, even move the product forward. So that's, Got out of MarTech for a little bit, but I found myself coming back just because I I love being able to help in that way, just outside of like the promotion of it. Um, I feel really bought into the product as well. Hmm. So do you see like creativity brand as a way to, I mean, just like hearing you talk about MarTech, I, I am not too into it, but I've seen these diagrams, right? Where it's went from like a teeny screen to like this huge screen. Is creativity and brand a way to stand out or do you just really enjoy that within the MarTech kind of SaaS space? Yeah, I think it's both. Um, I think traditionally SaaS is all about growth and like, you know, 3Xing growth within a year or two years. Um, 
it's it's a shortened timeline. So it does kind of always go initially pretty demand gen focused of like, how do we set up a framework for marketing to funnel things to sales? And like, how does, how do we move our go-to-market team into maybe like more like one team, one revenue generating team, instead of thinking of them in silos, like marketing and sales. Um, but I, my background is in advertising. I went, I worked at an ad agency um, for three years out of school. That's what I studied in school. Um, so I've always kind of let like leaned toward the create creative side and working at an agency, I never really had to tie my stuff back to sales numbers. That wasn't my problem, right? I was just the ideas person and like <laughs> maybe writing the copy and creating the websites and like understanding the value prop and the messaging of the product. But it was never really like tied back to anything that was on the um, the sales team at the company to actually like figure out how to use what we were building um, and, mm. and take it to the market. But that's why I love to come in client side and being within the in-house space. Um, it's been really eye-opening to me. And like I said, I, I dabbled in demand gen for a little bit. Um, and not to say that I wasn't good at it. It just like didn't, it didn't fire my brain the same way that creative creatives does. And um, finding the, like the art plus the science is really important to me. Cause it's like the only way you're going to you know, move qualitative opinion based decisions like creative forward is to tie it back to numbers. And um, I really, I really enjoy that. I think that um, it's not only, it's not just like the differentiator for sure. I think the demand gen tactics are easy for any competitor to go copy, right? You're in this channel. Okay. We're going to go stand up the same channel. You're spending this much money. We're going to try to spend as much money as you are. Um, not to say that there's not create like creative and brand there too, but from a framework and and from a one to two years is typically when I like to be into a company right after series B into series C where you're starting to refine what that looks like. Um, I just think creative is the thing that you can differentiate yourself. You can't you can't copy a team's creativity. You can't like copy a team's brains. And I think in this space specifically, um, in SAS, we, everybody just does the same thing and then everything gets so overloaded. Um, mm. it becomes, it becomes tough to break through that. And how do you do that is just do really good marketing. Hmm. Yeah. When everybody plays the same note, uh, it's, it's sometimes good, but can get annoying at a time when everybody's doing it. So when you're talking about creative, I can't help but kind of like take bits out. So it could be incorrect what I'm thinking, but like, it seems that a level or a part of creativity is the ability to make or have interesting decisions, ideas in the sense of your whole point is everybody's doing the same play. Everybody's, you know, reading off the same playbook where with creative, it's kind of different because if you do, it's more, I shouldn't say noticeable, but like, oh, they're using this. I guess first, maybe it'll actually help me more is like define when you say creativity, when you say brand, like define First, I guess, creativity, like, what do you mean when you use that word? What kind of, I guess, in words definition, but like yeah. pictures, things that come to mind? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to like pinpoint that exactly. I think it's very, it's very qualitative, right? It's very opinion based. Like I said, like it's, it's, you're not able to say like, oh, we did this tactic and it worked. Um, it's, it's a little bit more overarching and fluffy to be honest. Um, but I think that 
while it floats above everything, it can also be the foundation for everything and like a consistency mm. play. And I think um, creativity is just doing things differently and thinking about things differently. I think that's why it's so important to have diversity on a team fully, but specifically in a marketing team and not just have SaaS marketers that have worked in marketing and to have, um, you know, you see a lot of like demand gen MarTech companies hiring demand gen marketers as their their customer success people now. And like hmm. thinking about how to build teams better that way, I think can be a part of creativity. I think people's perspectives, and I really think it it comes from when I say brand, I mean like the company's brand. I'm not saying the product's brand. Um, I think that something that B2B can take out of B2C's book is like getting customers to buy into the company, not just the product. That's like the feeling. And like, I think creativity and brand really goes back to the feeling that you create in a buyer, in somebody that maybe isn't even ready to buy yet. But like when they're ready for a solution like you solve, they they already know you because it's so mm. top of funnel or so brand awareness heavy. Um, I, I like to build it that way instead of like, you know, I understand you have to start at the bottom of the funnel and like get those people that really need your product right now, but there's a way to do both. Um, there's a way to build outside the funnel that can pay way better down the line. Um, and that's how you become a category leader is you, you don't just look at what your competitors doing. You're actually making decisions based on what your differentiators are and what your company has that they don't. And like most of the time, that's the people. Hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, it seemingly like as you're talking about it, I'm trying to put in my brain, like what are kind of things you could do to create that creativity or create a strong brand? Like what are those, I don't want to call them like principles, core kind of foundations mm -hmm. of just, because from, from what you're saying, some things pop to mind are, you know, creating a category or if you don't want to create a new category, creating some movement that is bigger than the product you're at. POV, your narrative, yep. call it what you want, which to your point is getting people to buy in, not to your product, but more or less to the way you view the world of like, totally. oh, I love them because they think this should be the way it should be. What other, like, I don't want to say inputs, but things you can do to harness or to just, you talked about diversity and maybe people and thinking and stuff. Is there anything else that can kind of harness or at least generate some level of creativity and even brand, I guess. Yeah, I think we are lucky at Postal to have so many capable people within our, our company. Um, and we, I said, like we, I am the ICP, but we also have a sales ICP and we have a customer success. Like I think being within tech, it's very interesting when you have your own people, like you're selling to the people that also work at the company. Mm. Um, and I think uh, internal brand and culture is a huge thing. And, and that is something that I think a lot of companies, there's a disconnect between what they're putting out as their marketing brand and what they actually feel like inside to their employees. Th that starts to get sussed out. Like people start to see that disconnect. People start to understand. And then maybe your employees are like, well, it's great that our company brand is incredible, but like internally, we don't, we're not actually that way. And I mm. think it's really important from a beginning stage of a company, one to two years in, you have to kind of marry those two things together. And so that's why I think brand is not necessarily repeatable for other competitors to just go steal because like it has to come from a place internal and it has to mm. be 
Um, you know, I work really closely with the people team and I like internal marketing and brand marketing within our company is really important too. Obviously it lends to what we do a little bit with branded swag and all that stuff, but like we're actually doing internally what we're preaching externally, which is Hmm. so much better of a way for a company to work. Um, I've been (laughs) at companies where it's the opposite of that and it's, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for the employees. And then you start to see, you know, like. I think it's really obvious um, when, especially in brand and design, like when people really enjoy what they're doing, you can see that in the work and it comes through in the content and it comes through in your webinar and like your sales team. Is your sales team actually really excited to sell this product? Do they really believe in this? Um, I think that's key. I think that's key Mm. because in a company's touch points with a customer all the way through the journey, um, you know, those six month journeys, like that is a testament to like the people that work at the company because somebody wanted to be in touch with you that many times or like they come to a, you know, top of funnel, um, events and then, you know, they're not ready for your product yet, but they signed up for your newsletter and then you can nurture them that way. But like they continue to want to consume your content because they like who you are. And then that's a future customer. Like, I think we think of, um, Obviously, this whole out the whole sales motion is just get more sales, get more sales, get more customers, get more logos. I think we, um, as an industry, have started to pick up on the customer success side of retention and how important that is to retain your customers because they can do the marketing for you um, and create that FOMO and create that like I want to do what they're doing. Um, but I don't think that we've really figured out yet how to create that brand affinity and advocacy on the front end of it too, because I think it's Mm. important and I think it's um, misunderstood. And I think there's a huge opportunity there for, for brands like Postal that isn't, it's not a need to have, like we don't sell it that way. It's when you have an ABM program, when you have an outbound function, when you have the need to be having offline touch points when your team is big enough, then you need us when you have a full demand gen strategy. But like Hmm. we can't sell to a marketing team of one that wouldn't make any sense. You would never use it Um, Mm -hmm. and they won't be successful using it. And we don't want that. We want people to have a good experience with our product. Um, And that's important to us. Like it's not just that sell, 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 sell. It's like, okay, sell customer success, brand advocacy on the front. I think we're really pushing on all fronts and that's really exciting. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of nuggets there. Just one of the things that I kind of stood out to me was just the bit about the internal uh, kind of culture. You could even argue being there. I don't want to be the person who just, you know, retweets the culture eat strategy for breakfast tweet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there is some truth to that of just, you know, having that strong culture. And I think one of the things I believe deeply is if you don't give a shit about your company, like why would anybody else give a shit about it? Um, like, so I think you need to totally be like in it. And if you look at the company's killing it, like they have employees to some possible level of negative uh, detrimental being too involved with the company, being too loving of it and wearing it on their sleeve. But you almost need that. It's kind of like you have to, you know, drink to have fun, but you can't drink too much blackout. Like it's it's kind of that balance. I'm not talking about last night, but no, I'm just kidding. But yeah. And then because I think that's super critical is kind of that internal. I just one example, and this could be survivor bias, but like drift, one of the 
key things I read about them or through them is like Dave or they're huge on this internal brand. Like mm -hmm. we need to be internal doing internal marketing. And I think that you could, you could argue that's where it starts from or should kind of start from yep. is internal. It's authentic. It's authentic to who the company is. And that does nothing but help your not even customer, it's employee retention too. That is so important right now. Um, mm -hmm. Giving people space to own things and to be a part of the company and to care. Um, I think people are often just, it's either they care too much or they don't care enough. And like, like you said, finding that balance of like people that want to be bought in for the eight hours a day and like creating that culture is really important. And I think that that comes with just good communication from the top down. Like your CEO has to be saying those things and your head of people has to be saying those things and they have to believe them. They can't just say them. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a whole conversation about like joining the right company. Um, I've, I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to five, six years in be leading something at a company that I really like vibe with. And I'm, I really am bought in and I'm on the leadership team and, you know, I'm the youngest person there, but like, it's great. Everybody's bought in and everybody's, you know, all striving toward one goal. Um, and it's, it's easy to suss out in interviews a little bit of like the companies that don't like they have a great brand on the external and then on the internal, it's like, this doesn't really exist. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that takes experience similar to just life experience. Like you can tell somebody you're not, you're not having a good time on a date within 10 minutes or, or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure, I think sure. it's, I think it's really easy for me to be able to say maybe this. And I think too, like, talk to as many people as you can in an interview. Is everybody saying the same things? Is everybody saying the same mm -hmm. three things? Or is everybody saying the same 10 things? Were they told to say those three things? Or do they really feel that way? Um, mm -hmm. And do the goals align? Like is sales speaking the same tune that marketing is? Is, you know, do, can you talk to the CEO? What does he, he or she actually believe? Like that's, that's where I'm at currently. And I'm just happy to be afforded that because it's not necessarily normal to have that, mm. um, experience early. Um, I'm glad that I only got to struggle a little bit, <laughs> I guess is a good yeah. way to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think, uh, the sidebar just about the other career totally is something that you should do is at minimum define what you don't want, uh, to then kind of start to get closer to like you, the series, like be to, uh, whatever it is. I saw your post about it. So that was very interesting. And I mean, it just seems that through your podcast and through kind of, you know, this short conversation, you seem to be quite at least not in touch, but you're trying to always, you know, get better of who, who am I, where do I best fit? And I think that's key in interviews. Um, and I think like the parts you're kind of saying from the top down, I think is totally true. But I think the bigger thing, or for me, a lot of times it's actually having stuff in the ground, whether that's values. And when I say values, I don't mean a list of seven things. I mean, you know, we were on our own dog food or all these like kind of phrases or actual things that you can test is qualitatively or quantitatively like do they actually do that where a lot of people are like we're honest we're right whatever and it's like okay yeah um, but one one thing i did want to touch on that you touched on was the fact of like who you're who it wasn't who you're not going for but you talked about how you guys aren't 
like a must have. You guys are a nice to have. And I think that's a critical awareness because too many people that are nice to haves believe they're must haves. Um, and that ruins their marketing and how they approach it. Because I think honesty, integrity, like just being open is so powerful in marketing. And you were explaining that, right? You were saying, hey, we're not going to want to do work with a company of one, a marketing team of one, because we'll fail. I think that like, how did you get to that point? Maybe it was there when you joined, but how did you guys get to that point of realizing, hey, we're nice to have, we're not a must have. And then the decisions and the things that kind of came from that. Yeah, I think there's a few things that go into that. Um, like you said, I think just general awareness of like the market is one of those and self-awareness too of like, you know, asking our demand gen manager, like, would you be able to do this with one person or no? And her answer was no. And we're like, okay, cool. That's good information for us to have. Um, hmm. But market awareness too, MarTech is such a saturated market. There is a tool for everything. Um, and in the startup space, like you don't necessarily have budget for all of the resources that you need. And like you are pushing processes and the resources that you do have until they literally break. And like, that's why I think every marketing, you know, I, I think every SaaS uh, company could just make their headline on their website, no more spreadsheets, because almost everything started <laughs> in a spreadsheet somewhere. And like, that's the basis yeah. for every product that exists. Um <laughs> Excel, yeah. It's true. It's true. And it's one. like, I, <laughs> we just, you just, as you learn the product more and as you learn how it works, like obviously we're trying to make it more accessible for, for more people to be using, but we only succeed when our customers succeed and when they continue to use the mm. product because that gives us learnings and feedback into how, what to build next and how to build the product forward. Um, so I think that that goes a long way, but. I mean, I think a lot of stuff in MarTech is just uh, nice to have, to be honest. Like, yeah, you need Google Analytics. Okay, that's free. And you need some kind of something to put your website up on. Okay, great. And like, okay, you have demand gen budget that normally goes to Google or LinkedIn ads or whatever. Um, okay, so then if you're doing ads and you're doing some brand stuff, you need some kind of design tool. And like, can you get away with Canva for a little bit? Like, everything evolves. And we're trying to obviously evolve, but our evolution at Postal is like within other departments of the company. It's not necessarily like we want to be a solid solution for demand gen and field marketing teams um, right from like out of the box. Like we are solving all of your logistical problems of offline. You don't need your addresses. You don't need like all of these things. You don't need warehousing. You don't need inventory management. Like we handle all of that. Um but then the, the, the upsell, quote unquote, is uh, into other departments. Okay, how does your people team use this? How does your customer success team use this? How can you get your sales and outbounding function to be using mm -hmm. offline marketing? But typically we start with one use case and we just really hit like, this is how you use this and start building this program. Um, because in, in honesty, like, uh, out, it's it's building on top of your digital programs that already exist. It's not a completely separate program. Um, but getting people mm -hmm. to change things that they've been doing for so long is really hard. Oh, definitely. And I think just the last one of the last words you use honesty. I, I feel like at least for me, that's one of my biggest. I don't want to say like hatings on marketing. Because sometimes it's not marketing who's doing it, but just hatings in businesses. There's just so much bullshit. Yeah. There's just so much like, we're the number one. I know, we're the best. That, like, all what these... does that get you at the end? It gets you screwed <laughs> when the retention doesn't Nowhere. happen. And like, yeah. th 
it's so much more expensive to go find more customers. And honestly, your customer ICP, like your ideal customer list is going to run out. So like you, you, you have to build your strategy around retaining and helping the customers. And like retention is an everybody problem. It's not a customer success problem. I would argue it's even more so a product problem. Is the product solving mm -hmm. the solutions that we're actually telling you that it does? Are we continuing mm -hmm. to add things that you want us to be adding? Um, you know, like sales is easy to say, like, I just got the deal and I'm good. But we, we try not to think like that. We try to think, hey, how's mm -hmm. so-and-so's account doing or what can we do to help them there? Um, I think retention is a huge thing that uh, we don't think about as in marketing. But I think I I want our customers to be doing our marketing. That's like a whole function outside of our our, our own marketing. Um, and we need them to do effective marketing. We need the social proof from them. We need the success stories. We need um, their buy-in and like, we want them to be excited to use the product. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent about the whole whose problem that is. I could, you could even argue essentially it begins with marketing because if marketing gives a illicit promise, something totally. that can't be delivered on, uh, it's like telling someone, you know, hey, I can bench 300 and they're like, okay, we go to the gym and like somehow they get injured because like we can't do 300. Right. They're going to never come to the gym. And that goes back again. to honesty and your sales team selling what actually exists. And that's again, alignment across all three departments. I'm not going to be marketing something that actually doesn't solve the problem. doesn't help mm -hmm. me. It might help me from a very initial lead gen to hit my own numbers, but that's the best part about having numbers across the board is like my numbers are tied to sales numbers. So like, it doesn't matter uh, if, yeah, if somebody's effort. not being successful. Again, like I go back to, we are only successful if our customers are successful and continue to be successful and find new ways to use the product. Hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Too many times, you know, we just say, yeah, but no, that, that gets a hell yeah. So we, we've been talking obviously a lot about a, a bunch of different things, creativity, branding. I'm going to rope us back in the, the rodeo here to kind of marketing. What is a pet peeve or something that you just hate within marketing that comes across a few times a week, a few times a month where you just want to like pull your hair out, whatever it is you do and frustration? Oh man, where do I start? There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls a list out. Just like uh, marketing is a love-hate for me. It's one of those things that it's challenging. So I continue to find myself doing it because it evolves and I love that about it. Um, and I, I, so I think the first thing is that like, I think that we have complicated it so far. We have, and I think that's part of our, my, our fault for creating all these tools that like, does anybody actually need <laughs> all of this stuff? Um, there's tools that are helpful and there are tools that aren't, to be honest. And like, that's kind of where I fall, but I think we create these things that don't really exist to like, oh, we're moving marketing forward. But if you come back to the principles of like, you need to be in these channels, you need to do them well, it, it, that like coming back to the basics of what that is and what you learned in school of like the four P's or whatever, like as much as we talk about, you know, college maybe wasn't like, I didn't learn much about marketing in school. I just learned how to be a person and like manage my time. And like, that's all great for my job and being able to do that and be like, I'm an adult and I have money to spend and whatever. Um, but I think that it really, it, 
it's great that marketing evolves, but I think that we overcomplicate. It's like the stock market or insurance. Like we overcomplicate it so that other people think that they can't do it. And it's like, who is that benefiting? <laughs> like who actually, and then it, everybody's spinning their wheels. And then you see these tactics like come and go. And obviously like specifically in marketing, when things get really like crowded in one area, then you see everybody go to a different area and then that gets really crowded. And like, that will always be a thing. Um, but I think there's a reason why brands like uh, a lot of our favorite B2C stuff, Apple and um, Uber, whatever, like that's why they still do out of home marketing because it's effective. When was the last time you saw hmm. a, a B2B marketing or anything like that's not where our audience is, but it is because I'm a B2B marketer and I walk outside, um, mm -hmm. but we don't do those things. We only live in these like spaces and then we just try to complicate the crap out of it and make it really nuanced. And I don't think it's that nuanced. I think we just did that so that we could sell marketing <laughs> software. Yeah. I mean, I think you're touching on a basic like psychology thing. Like we make things complicated so we feel smarter yeah. without realizing that like we really don't know it or uh, we're just, yeah, we, we complicate it. So that leads into a question I love asking, just talking about how complicated marketing is. What is your definition called simple definition? But what is if someone's like on the side of the street, hey, Bridget, what's marketing? Like define marketing for me. Like it, it's a simple question, but I've struggled and I'm glad I'm the host. I never have to answer this question, <laughs> but like, how do you answer that? Or what is your answer to like, what is a job marketing should get done in a company or jobs? Yeah, I think marketing is about offering a solution to somebody's problem. And how do you communicate that solution to somebody's problem? Obviously, the, the communication piece is marketing is like, how are you going to communicate that? Where are you going to communicate that? How many like all of the what's what, how, where, whatever. Um, that's really the basis of marketing is but it's it's about solving problems that the company is solving. Um, and like that's the basis hmm. for any company is like, where's your where's your product market fit? Like, why did, why did you decide to become a company? What's the uses, all this stuff. Marketing is how you communicate that you have a solution to that problem. Hmm. Where has marketing changed? I mean, you're not obviously old, but like in the <laughs> last old. 10, 15, 20 years, yeah, you're hitting 60, but like, where has marketing changed? So you gave us a definition of now the current landscape. What's changed in marketing? Like what's no longer relevant? Mm -hmm. What's more relevant? What's something people focus on now that they never had to, or they don't focus on that they did? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with like Mad Men and like going back to like that advertising era of like when it was first starting and they were selling bullshit. They were saying that, you know, lucky strike cigarettes don't kill you and all of those things. And it didn't matter. Right. All that mattered is like, okay, well, we don't have to say any of that stuff. All we have to say is ours tastes better. We can ignore all the other things that like this thing does. We just have to focus on the benefit of it. Um, and I think by complicating some of it, we have started to uphold a little bit more honesty, integrity with like, okay, we actually have to have a good product and we have to sell it right. And we have to do it because it's not, it's not business to consumer either. It's just like, um, so it's not even... Uh, everyone can't buy your products. So you have to be more targeted uh, with your message mm -hmm. and solve more problems than 
smoking cigarettes. Um, but I think too, the amount of marketing that we see in a day has like gone astronomical, um, obviously with cell phones and all that shit. And like, all I do all day long is sit in front of my computer. And if I have LinkedIn open or I have Twitter open, like there are ads there, there are, I'm being marketed to all day long. Um, that necessarily, well, that wasn't a thing. And like, I think about, you know, my, mo- my mom works at a, a, a pharma company and like, is she also going through that? Probably not. Cause she's sitting in Excel docs all day. Like, I don't, I don't know that there's ever been a time where we've been marketed to more. Um, and I think in a way that we don't even necessarily feel like it's being marketed. And that's the key is like, how do you, how do you create that? How do you make it feel more organic? Um, but even like out at a bar, like when you're, you know, at your, your, um, you're sitting at the bar and you're looking at the bottles of whiskey or whatever on the thing, like that's still marketing because it's packaging and it's all of that. Like that's always existed. Mm. And I think those things will always be important, um, in a physical space of like when you have a product and you have physical things. Um, but I think in SAS, like it's been so digital for so long because that's obviously where you're using the products that like everything has been so digital. Uh, We have to figure out a way for it to move outside of that and move away from um, just the same tactics all the time. I think it makes it really hard, Mm -hmm. but there are ways to take some of the B2C stuff and take some, some learnings from other places. I think we don't think enough about like, content creators like that's been a huge boom obviously with linkedin influence or linkedin i was gonna say instagram influencers and tiktok influencers and all of that and like how old youtubers used to like get a bunch of views on their videos and all that like why are we not using whatever strategies they're using in that like that's transferable to what we're doing too um and i think going back to the thing that i really like about the advertising industry in general is it always starts with like, okay, what is, what's your persona? We say that we do that in SAS. We really don't. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, we're, we're, it's marketers, but marketers is everybody. And like, that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with, yeah. you have like a very specific person that you're trying to sell to. Um, and I don't, I don't know that we do a good job of really doing enough research there and like figuring out what their actual pain points are and how, we can help solve them. We're thinking outside the box of how to solve them. Um, and that's how you grow product lines and traditional businesses and those kinds of things. But like, we don't do any of that because we're not, because we're all trying to exit and we're all trying to IPO within four years. So we don't, that's not on our brains. Our brains work in even shorter than that. If you're just an employee, like the average retention is like two years, a year and a half. And then you're onto Mm -hmm. a new product and Mm -hmm. new something new. Um, but I think I would like to see more marketers stay at companies and build the stories because I think it is more authentic and you'll get people that really care about the thing that they're selling and you get bought in and then you're like, this is part of my life and like not, it's not my life, but it's part of it. And I'm really passionate about this and you get people that care. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe I should delete my HubSpot created personas. I use their, we their all have builder them. thing. And <laughs> it's a starting point. Damn it, Jeanette. Exactly. No. Um, so, <laughs> no, totally, though, agree because I think um, I'm probably not as versed as you are with the admin, madmen uh, kind of error, but I write a daily newsletter and I used to, I kind of paused every Thursday, I would do a throwback. Thursday ad. So I'd look at something from David Abbott, something mm-hmm. from any of these kind of range of people who have done like the Hertz ads, you know, we're second and all these things and really just dissect them because they're selling literally just with words. Like they're it's able ideas. to drive it's the idea. emotions. Yeah, it's idea and storytelling and we don't do enough of that. Yeah. And it's through words, I mean, for most of the time. And I think like you can watch a Google ad where they show like someone looking at their grandma's pictures and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, grab me the Kleenex. Mm -hmm. But it's like they do that same approach or that same feelings literally through words. And I feel like for me, that's been something I've been teetering on of this like idea or this kind of premise hypothesis that like writing, which would just be written communication is like the secret or hidden power for marketers. Like the better you can write, the better you think, but the better your marketing will be because you just can like drive the feelings. And to your point about people don't knowing enough about their personas, totally agree with it. I think Ann Hanley said something like you should be able to write their diary for them. Like you should know them so well you write that like I hate having to take a midday bathroom break like you just know that about mm-hmm. them even though that your product isn't like anything that solves their uh, stomach issues yeah. but um, like I think that's something that's super critical that is becoming more important now what are you I'm guessing talking to customers you, you know having surveys but like is there anything unique or you know kind of trailblazing you've done in that area of like how do we actually create persona create a ICP that actually does something. Yeah, I think that that goes back to what we were talking about before where brand can be outside of brand awareness and just like curious and talking to customers. We just hired a customer marketer, which is incredible because like that feels like a whole separate job for me and it totally is. And I want her to, (laughs) we need this nugget that I found and like we can build a whole campaign around it or a whole strategy or whatever. Um, And I think that that it, it it's it's really hard to think in campaigns and in marketing and SaaS because it's like well we have one one or two value props and that's just kind of how it goes but like what spins can you have on those like is can you make something timely around that can you can you make it more relevant um than just being like you have this floating problem like but how does that actually affecting my day today um, and tying it back mm. to like who they are as people, I think is really important. I think, um, yeah, I try to include customer stories wherever I can. And outside of, again, like the brand awareness thing, like creating thought leadership kind of content that speaks above everything. And like, okay, if our main person is a demand gen marketer, like what is that person like? what else are they doing and like where can we find them and where do they hang out and like being in those communities i think is really great and i kind of stumbled upon the like personal branding thing um right when it was happening when i was at g2 and thought leadership is really hard i think that there are are people that think that they're thought leaders and then they feel like they have to post every day. And it's like, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Um, And it, 
became, it becomes kind of an echo chamber too, of like the same people saying the same things over and over again. But I think there's a unique opportunity in thought leadership to have your own perspective and speak in your own voice and use it that way. And it just comes off as genuine. Mm. And then you're like, look, I'm a marketer too. I'm figuring it out. I'm, I'm constantly trying new things and I'm trying to be in new spaces and figure out where my people are and, and all of that stuff. And I think that I've done a good job at that, but I think there's a lot of people at Postal that have done a good job of doing that within their own space. And that only makes our team so much stronger because if we are, if people are bought into what we're saying in our mentalities as people, and then we all work at this company, that says so much about the company and the kind of people that we have here. And we are forward thinking and we do value your opinions and and a lot of that. And I want those people to write, like I manage, you know, a team that manages the blog here. Like I want those people to write for us. Like, I don't want you to always have to, like, it's great that you're putting your content on LinkedIn and I'm not hounding you to like post on LinkedIn. Cause like that, I would never do that. I would never create like a personal branding program within a company. Like, look, if you want to post on LinkedIn, I'll help you. T- like, I'll teach you how to use your voice and what to post and when to comment and all those things. Like I can teach you the mechanics of it. Um, but the desire to do it has to be there. I can't teach you that. And Mm -hmm. and if you are being forced to do it, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Like, and it's not for everybody too. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, uh, marketing gets wrong a lot, uh, is like all these tactics have to be for every company or have to be for every person that works at every company. Um, I don't think that that's true. I think if you can find things that fit right and feel good for you and can be authentic, that's the best way forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. There has to be some intrinsic to post, but even to the whole customer kind of point, like there needs to be an intrinsic desire to actually give, you know, a shit about who you're marketing to, which then results you into talking with them, figuring out creating content right. with them, uh, which I find like a super trick just to a create content and then learn about yeah. your customers to do both with them. So yeah, definitely. And you can teach someone to do LinkedIn or any of these posts, you know, do all these spaces between each of your <laughs> lines. So you sound like a LinkedIn broetry, but like, you know, make sure no. But like, if they don't have it, A, it's not going to last. So yeah, I totally, totally agree and align uh, with that of uh, at least the last bit for sure about the personal mm-hmm. kind of doing that within a company. It has to be uh, not yeah, forced. It, ha- it has uh, to be organic for sure. Um, that's mm-hmm. hard though. Like uh, I think I relate it back a lot when people are like, I want to start posting on LinkedIn and I'm like, okay. Um, and I, <laughs> I relate it back to my life because I really, I enjoy cooking a lot. And I'm like, do you cook? And they're like, yeah, I, I cook. And I'm like, do you really like to cook? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how many meals did you cook yourself this week? Like, did you actually cook or did you like, are you being lazy? Like, it's not, it's not something that comes naturally to everybody. And I think everybody wants to try to do that so that they can, you know, I think personal branding is hard because it's gotten me to where I am. And like a lot of people see it that way as like, I'm going to do this so that I can get a better job. And while that's obviously a driving factor for most people, it can't be the thing because then you're only doing it to get to this goal. And what happens when you hit that goal, then like, you know, it's, it's the same thing with health and wellness. And like, I say cooking, but like, are, what's your consistency? What's your, like, what's your palate for consistency? Can you do this? And are you mm-hmm. interested in this or are you doing it means to an end? And I think both can work. 
Um, but one results in like a lasting impression and one results in you being burnt out. Mm, geez. Well, that's a good sign to never reach out to Bridget about cooking. If you're not really about that, <laughs> I'm just going to come right? at you and because be like, what are you cooking? She will call you out. Yeah. Right. Did you use these yeah, spices? How many oils because... do you have in your cabinet? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Right. Oh, you rookie. You only use olive oil. No, just kidding. I'm not a cooker at all. So <laughs> no, I can't but I think speak everybody this, uh, has that thing flavor. that like, turn, like they really enjoy to do just for doing it. And I'm so glad because yeah. you know what? I cook because I love to eat and I love to eat well and I can't really afford to eat well every day if I'm going out to eat. <laughs> and, but I think everybody has that. Like my sister bakes yeah. cookies and creates cookies and like that kind of stuff. And my little brother plays video games mm -hmm. for hours on end and like that's his version of it. Um, I think everybody has things that they like to be consistent and passionate about. Um, I rarely find that like posting on LinkedIn is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I write a daily newsletter. This is the third time you said that, Jordan. That, <laughs> I love uh, it. That, that barely gets any subscribers. I have like 37 subscribers, so I clearly do not do it for growth for um, any of that dopamine that comes from getting tons of emails back. It's solely because this is my yeah. practice, Seth Godin. Um, and I think, I think the, the critical thing is at times people can look at LinkedIn or anything. Cause I mean, like, let's be honest, um, like drinking or anything that like cocaine, for example, like I can get quite consistent with <laughs> yeah, cocaine, right. but like, that's not going to be helpful. And I think it's like, anybody can do that. Right. Like start, start popping opioids. You're going to be doing it all the time. But like, I think sometimes people don't start because they think that the, the thing needs to be there right away, whether it's writing, mm -hmm. whatever to nobody online, whatever, where I think like sometimes there does need to have that conversation of like, Hey, you love to bake. It's like, okay, well, can we write about right. that in right. something? Because regardless, you're going to drive benefits from right. writing and um, I, through posting I think or too, not. We all in this, in this like culture, not just within marketing, but in our lives that we've created where we have to monetize everything we love to do. You don't have to do that. You can, you don't have to write a baking blog so that you blow up on and people know that your, your, your Instagram is famous for baking. You, you can just bake. Nobody needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Or you could write to 37 people because but, there's but the no point way is, to is that really you monetize. Like the writing uh, and you like creating that yeah, and that's yeah. the thing, you know? No, definitely. Yeah. Like maybe you don't need to bake, but I, I, I am pretty bullish that everybody should have a writing, totally. whether it's a journal or anything. Cause I think a people struggle too much with emotional distress and also B uh, people uh, sometimes struggle to think. And I think for writing, for me, it helps writing me is think. honest, but yeah, to your yeah. point. Yeah. To your point, I think I agree with the fact that in marketing, it's always, how do we monetize rather than sometimes just creating content uh, for the benefit of somebody without any sort of, uh, which is something that I think is all in the intent of it. And you can, you can lie to yourself. The easiest person to fool is ourself of like, Oh, I'm doing it for others. We're really, you're upset at the end right. of the day when it doesn't, I've been writing daily for a year now. So like you can kind of realize, okay, I'm doing this for some external applause or I'm doing it for the internal intrinsic mm -hmm. reasoning. Um, so I think that that's critical of just checking yourself. But then to my point, which I think is true, is sometimes if you want to start doing something, whether it's working out even just on a basic level, is it's not intrinsic for yeah. everybody, but people have made it intrinsic totally. by doing it. Uh, so I think there's two cool. approaches, having systems in place or just being motivated that way. Yeah, I think it's mo it's motivation or, and discipline. And also like you, I am, so, I like to try new things. I'm, I'm never going to be good at something off the bat. Um, it, I, I, I was, I played sports when I was little and I was 
lucky enough to be naturally pretty athletic um, until I picked up a golf club. And I was like, this is hard as shit. I can't do this. I played softball through college and I'm like, I can't do this. I, I'm terrible at it, but I continue to try. And like, I like the idea of golf <laughs> going out and drinking for four hours outside and like hitting some balls. That sounds great. Hanging with my friends. Um, but there are things that, that maybe like you, you have to build getting good at, but it's like, it, do you actually enjoy it? And like, to your point, um, the easiest person to fool is yourself and, and you find people just doing things to do things. And I, my, I just, I'm very intentional. And I think that we need to bring that back into our lives, but marketing too, of just like, why? Like ask the question, why? Why are you doing something? Why do we have to feel like we have to be in that channel? Why, um, you know, if the answer is because our competitor is doing it, maybe they don't know what the fuck they're doing either. <laughs> like who knows? Maybe they're yeah. testing stuff. <laughs> like, and maybe they have more money and maybe they, I don't know, but there's just so like, there's something to be said for getting a lay of the land, seeing the landscape, understanding what your competitors are doing. I think it's really important, but I think too often we just try to jump into the space and get into the conversation because when sales is doing a, you know, an evaluation, like we always want to be in those evaluation. That's a really good goal to strive for. Um, but I think there's a way to do that with brand and you don't necessarily have to be in all of the channels that everybody's in. Hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. I do the, like the five why practice where it's just you ask why five times to get now you can change it. But I do think that like I agree with that. I do think there's a point of like cognitive failure where if you just ask why on everything, like because I mean, to your point, you, you bring out a point of kind of human inadequacy that we do many things like why do I always grab the door handle with my <laughs> right hand? Like I don't ask why, just, but there's so many things that like if you go through a day and at least are aware of 20 percent of the things of why you do them, you're way ahead of the masses. And that's like a huge meditation practices for the next five minutes, like be aware right. and ask yourself, like, why and am I, think, I itching my ear when I, I talk? I think or sometimes whatever. to your point, I think sometimes the answer of, because I've always done it this way is valid. I think that there are things that we have habitually as people, as marketers have done because it's, there are things that you have to do. You have to have a website. You have to uh, have a social mm -hmm. media presence. Now you can figure out how you want to use that there are places that we have to be. Um, but it's the like, okay, what's, I think when you ask why you're really digging into the strategy behind it. And I think that that changes if you're doing it right, your why could be different every year for the same tactic. Um, hmm. but I think that why isn't necessarily like a, um, like a reactive, like, well, why are we doing it that way? It's more like, okay, it's like curiosity and it's like trying yeah. to understand how, that piece or tactic or whatever fits into a greater strategy. Um, Cause as you, I mean, we all think in these funnels, do we actually move in those funnels? Who knows if it actually works that way. Um, <laughs> and like the same thing with the website, like I can create an experience for you and like try to create paths for you, but I need to make sure that I have, you know, a CTA on every page so that if you do happen somewhere that like, I didn't expect you to be in your journey, there's somewhere for you to go. Hmm. Yeah. Totally, totally aligned with, I think why is critical understanding to your point strategy, like why we have a website would be to X or Y it's not maybe going to make you not have it or have it. There's certain ones. Right. Totally agree. I just, 
I just think you can like if you don't do it already, like why thinking of doing it all the time? Uh, at least for me, would be it overwhelming. Is. But, but it, about, it's a yeah, start. It's you have to as, like I would go back it. to the metaphor before of like going to the gym. Like you start going to them twice a yeah. week, then you start going three times a week. But like your why, and like we can compare you it to a website. To. Like why would you have a website when you first start a company so that you can have people, you can point people somewhere, and then. Why do you have a website a year from now? Oh, it's so that we can explain what we really do three years or, you know, two mm-hmm. years from now. It's a lead gen thing. Like it evolves and that's, I think evolving the why is important. Um, but you have to have a strong foundation and like an, an answer for the why throughout the process. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's in itself a huge takeaway that I've, I've learned is just asking certain questions. Who is it for? What is it for? How do we know it's working? Design thinking. Uh, but why is also just a really purebred mm-hmm. question that helps uh, quite a bit. Well, thank you, Bridget, so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. It was uh, quite helpful for me and hopefully the three to four people that are still with us.